Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you go. Here you go. Mailbag. Nothing personal. Word of the day is mailbag. Today is Thursday, May May 18th, 2023. Welcome to a mailbag episode. Here's how we do it. When by chance there's no regular episode, we're not going to leave you in the dark. We're going to answer more of your questions. The way to get questions to me, get on Twitter at David P. Sampson, Instagram at David P. Sampson, maybe even TikTok, or write a review on Apple, put a question in there because we'll check those two and we'll answer as many as we can in 45 minutes or until Coca gets bored and that'll be the end of the show. So let's get right in because we have a lot to get to, way too much to get to in one episode. I think that means we're going to have to do more episodes. Hi, David. If you were president of the Yankees, Dodgers, or another high revenue team at this exact moment, would you be planning your offseason pitch to Shohei or is it too early? Also, would that pitch look as he really is a generational opportunity? I don't know what that means. Generational, that was the word of the day this past week, actually. So let's talk about Shohei Otani. He is going to be the story of the year. I had told you all that I thought the regional sports network issue that we're dealing with, with the bankruptcies and whether or not games are going to be for free, where teams are going to make up their money, what impact that'll have on payroll, how it's all going to shake out. That to me is the number one story. But then I started thinking about Shohei. Shohei Otani is a generational athlete, not once in a generation, once in a lifetime. There's never been a player like Shohei Otani. So what are teams doing right now in the middle of the season? Well, you already know that I made a habit of carrying payrolls around in my briefcase. I would have the current payroll and I would have it out one year, three years, and five years. And what you do with that payroll is you take the players you have and you take them out what they're going to make. If they're pre-arbitration and they're going to be arbitration eligible two years from now, then they go from the minimum, minimum, and then you calculate what you think they'll get in arbitration. You add it all up and you see where your payroll is. Then you meet with your owner and you make sure your owner's aware of what the five-year plan is. Because the worst thing you can do is have a plan one, three, five years out and not stick to it. Hi, I'm David. No, I'm not doing the stroke test. I'm telling you that I'm as guilty as anyone of having a one, three, five-year plan and absolutely flushing it down the toilet. When we're worse than we thought we'd be, when we're better than we thought we'd be, we put more money in, take money out, trade guys, sign guys, stick to a damn plan. Well, what do you do when you have a possible free agent this offseason, number one? When you're putting your team together, you're calculating not just what your payroll is going to be, but what you perceive your needs are for your team. You do that based on your performance of this year, 
matched against the performance that you thought you would have. You start by doing it in a micro way with each player. Then you go with the team as a whole. Sometimes the team is greater than the sum of the parts. Sometimes the team is worse than the sum of the parts. Our teams were often worse than the sum of the parts, and that's bad. You want to catch lightning in a bottle and get it right, and the team is greater than the sum, but more often than not, it's either going to equal or be less. So the key is knowing where you are in your cycle. Even if you are the Yankees, the Red Sox, they're an example. They go last place, first place, last place. How about the Padres who are now trying to spend money and stay in a winning cycle? How about the Dodgers who do nothing but win? nothing but keep payroll going, except this year, they actually lowered their payroll. And people actually thought that what the Dodgers were doing was saving money for Shohei. When I'm meeting with my owner, I'm explaining Shohei Otani is not one, but two players. He's the top of the rotation starter and a middle of the order bat. The value of a top of the rotation starter, an ace, Is it Verlander's 43? Is it Scherzer's 43? Is it Rodon's whatever he's getting paid not to pitch? Let's just for round numbers say that $30 million is the market for a top of the rotation starter. Sort of pretending that the top of the market and the bottom of the market don't exist. Like when you're doing figure skating and you're the judge, ignore the top score, ignore the bottom score and take the middle. Let's just say 30. Let's keep going. Middle of rotation bat. Mookie Betts. It's better than Mookie Betts at the plate. What about Trey Turner? Well, Trey Turner plays defense, has five tools. One of the tools is not pitching. So is he as good as Trey Turner? Different, but yeah. What about Aaron Judge? Well, Shohei hits for power. Shohei hits for average. Yeah. Could Shohei be a $400 million offensive player? Could he be a $40 million offensive player? Let's bring it down by 25% and say he's a $30 million offensive player, which is sort of standard now. So you've got 30 offense, 30 pitching. That's a $60 million add to your team if you have him on your team. The reason why I'm not offering Shohei Otani $60 million per year is that I actually want a discount on the chance that over a long-term deal, he's not going to be a top of the rotation starter and a middle of the order bat but one or the other, or part of both. But I certainly do get to 50. So if I know I'm going to need to give him $50 million a year, and I know that he's going to get 10 years, so I'm looking at the first $500 million contract, and I'm going out in my payroll, whether I'm the Yankees or the Dodgers, and I'm seeing where that fits in, who's coming off the payroll when, like with the Mets, they're going to have Scherzer and Verlander off the payroll soon enough, but then they've got to think about, are they going to sign Alonzo? Then they got to look at Lindor, who's still in the payroll. The Yankees know they have Judge. They've got Stanton, but the Marlins are helping with Stanton. You go through player by player, and you evaluate who we're going to keep and who we're going to let go. Because when you are looking at a free agent, any free agent, whether it's Shohei or a utility infielder, you are looking at the opportunity cost of putting that player on your roster. Whose spot is he taking? In Shohei's case, he's taking two spots, in which case the player that you add with Shohei is a minimum player. So you're really paying 50 million plus 740,000, which is the minimum next year. So 50.7 million for Shohei Otani and the second player. There's not one team who would not value having Shohei at that number. Problem. Baseball is not like basketball. You can't win with just Shohei Otani. 
the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim have shown you that you can have Shohei, you can have Trout, you can have Rendon, and you can be looking up at 81 games every single year. So you've got to keep money available for other players. The general rule of thumb is that one player should not make up more than 25% of your team, and that is the maximum. Now, Shohei Otani, you can count as two players. So I'm not going to say that Shohei at 50 means the only teams who can sign him are teams who have a $200 million or higher payroll. I can separate Shohei into two players and allocate the numbers accordingly. And let's say I'm giving him 25 for each player. Now, $25 million a player, frankly, any team with a payroll of $100 million or more, in theory, can afford Shohei Otani. This is great news for you, whatever team you're a fan of, and for Shohei and his agent, because he can go anywhere he wants. There will not be one team not in on Shohei. If there is a small market, small revenue team, and you are not going after Shohei, you are missing the boat. Because with a $100 million payroll, I'm going to take the chance to put Shohei on the team. There is a huge boom when you sign someone else's free agent. A smaller boom when you sign your own, Aaron Judge. When you bring someone over, you are making your team better. You are getting marketing dollars. You are getting increased season ticket holders, increased season ticket revenue, increased help in this new world of broadcast revenue because Shohei is a star, not just in the States, but you're also getting the Japanese sponsorship money. We got an increase when Ichiro came to the Marlins. We had companies call us. We didn't know who to call. We went to Japan, put out a shingle at the Park Hyatt and said, hey, anybody want to sponsor us? We've got Ichiro. Well, Shohei is even more marketable. And I say that not as a slight to Ichiro, who is a first ballot unanimous Hall of Famer. Can't wait to go to Cooperstown to be with him. I say that because Shohei is Ichiro times two. I cannot oversell you the change that's taken place in my mind. When Shohei started, I told you he's got to choose. Can't do both. Got to choose. Year after year, I've been proven that he doesn't need to choose. He's able to excel at both. And when you're signing him to a 10-year deal, he doesn't need to be a top of the rotation and a middle of the order bat for the entire contract. That's the beauty of it. Shohei also wants to get a deal done as quickly as he can because he's not going to wait for the next CBA when there could be a cap, there could be a floor, there could be a limit on the number of years that a contract can be. He wants to get himself signed right now. No Carlos Correa situation where he waits and waits and waits and takes a one-year deal. He is going to get the full package immediately. So it is definitely not too early for any team to plan their offseason because we're always planning the next season. The expression, wait till next year, it's not next year. Spring training starts in 10 months. That's the fact, Jack. That's nothing. That's under a year. So good front offices are paying attention to now, and they're paying attention to later, and they're balancing the now and the later. We would get lists. Here's a funny little nugget. We would get lists of potential free agents, not just one year out, but two years and three years out. And we'd look at the free agent list. We'd follow them to see who signs a deal and to stay with their team. And they'd get crossed out, like take them off the list. But we'd be following because we'd be thinking about who's our target. It's not like at midnight in November of 11 that we said, hey, how about Jose Reyes? We knew from the beginning of that year that we wanted to target Jose Reyes. 
So you're going to hear a lot of rumors, a lot of rumors. You're going to be hearing a lot of teams in on Shohei. You're going to be hearing a lot of teams out on Shohei. I wouldn't buy any of it. I still maintain the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim have the best chance to sign him because I still feel, having been in the game when he signed, that for whatever reason, Shohei had a deal once he got to free agency that was illegal at the time. The team was told not to do it, and I still think the Angels did it. So it'll be interesting to see where Shohei signs. It'll be interesting to see whether or not the deal he had in place was less than what it is now, so therefore the Angels would have the right not to match or to let him go, or if Shohei is forced to stay with the Angels. But this is all going to come into focus. You are going to hear it over the course of this season, and I can only tell you that when it comes to the pitch to get Shohei Otani, I'm not talking about locations close to Japan. I'm not talking about whether or not our team wins and loses. I'm not talking about who's on the team or whether or not we'll hire three translators. I'm not talking about the location of his locker. And I sure as hell am not making a video with the celebrities of other sports or the movies who are imploring Shohei, please join our team. Players don't care. We do that stuff because it makes us feel good and we can release it through PR and it gets put in the paper and we can put it on social media and make it look like we're doing stuff that's outside the box. The bottom line is Shohei Otani is going for a record. And I mean the record, the record in amount per year, the record in the amount total for the contract and Shohei Otani is going to get both. Hello, David. Hey. Love the show. Thank you. Can you please explain the roles of ownership group, president, GM, vice presidents, etc.? Thank you. You're the reason I've decided to never see my car's gaslight again. Wow. If I've taught people one thing over these three and a half years that we've been doing nothing personal, it is please do not run out of gas. All right. So you're asking me about a baseball team and a baseball organization and how it functions. I'm going to tell you how it should really function. And then we'll touch on how it does function. The way it's supposed to function is the way a regular company functions. In a regular company, you have org charts, you have reporting structures, you have job descriptions, you have clear ideas of who's doing what, who reports to who, and what measurable results they are supposed to attain. You then have an HR department who meets with the employees who says, here's what you were supposed to do. Here's what you did. They're different. You're on the clock. Or here's what you were supposed to do. Here's what you did do. It was way better. Here's a bonus. Please stay with us. Here's what you were supposed to do. You did it. Congratulations. Your reward is you get to have the same job again next year. Sometimes baseball teams are not run that way because it all starts at the top. An owner, every company has an owner. Public companies have lots and lots of owners. When you own a share of stock of a public company, guess what? You're an owner of that company. The thing is, you have no say over anything. No discounts, no free stuff, no benefits, no nothing. Maybe there's a little code that you can put in that says you can get a quarter pounder BOGO, buy one, get one if you own some shares of McDonald's stock, or if you own shares of Home Depot, you get an extra nail when you go into the store. But when you own shares of a public company, unless you are a controlling shareholder or a member of the board, you got nothing. 
And what the board does is they actually run the company and the chairman and chief executive officer and president and CFO and EVP of sales and marketing and the chief people officer, they report to the chairman. The chairman reports to the board and the board is run by the chairman of the board. Everything's done with votes and with committees and that's how decisions are made. In baseball, there is one person who owns the team. Don't be misguided when you see John Henry and Tom Warner, they own the Red Sox. John Henry is the control person of the Red Sox. John Henry is in charge of everything that the Red Sox do within Major League Baseball. When the commissioner needs someone to vote, it's John Henry's vote. If John Henry and Tom Warner can't come to an agreement, John Henry wins. Even if their partnership agreement calls for equal say, 50% John, 50% Tom, baseball does not recognize that. Baseball has the control person who is the decider. But let's just say that there's a single owner of a team. Let's say it's Matt Ishbia, or let's say it's Josh Harris. That's a good one with the commanders. Josh Harris gave that list in that press release of how cool it was to have all these great limited partners. Magic Johnson sent his tweet and Norman Rails' son was excited to be a part of it and yada, yada, yada. You know what? It's a bunch of horse hockey. Josh Harris is the new owner of the Washington Commanders. And what Josh Harris wants, Josh Harris is going to get. So what the owner is supposed to do is surround himself with people who are going to do the jobs required to run your team. And a team is like another business. What's your product? It's your players. Your players are your product. You have someone in charge of that group. That's your general manager. Then you've got people engaging with your product. Those are your ticket holders. You have someone in charge of that. That's the vice president of sales. Then you've got people to tell people about your product. That's the vice president of marketing. Then you have people figuring out, hey, how much money do we have? How much money are we making or losing? That's the chief financial officer. Underneath those are people who report up to those who run those different departments. You've got salespeople and you've got assistant salespeople and they report all the way up to your head of sales. You've got people on the ground floor in marketing. People are coming up with ideas and it's all filtering up to the head of marketing. You have a treasurer. You have people in accounts payable, accounts receivable. It's a full organization and they report up to the CFO. The president of baseball operations or the general manager, whatever you want to call it, they've got assistants who do things, assistant GMs. They've got head of player development. That's the person in charge of getting the young players good when they're older. Then you've got the head of scouting. That's the person that says, look at that young guy. Let's bring him into the organization and then give him to development and let him develop into a major leaguer. All of those people report up into the GM. So the owner has several direct reports the president of baseball operations, the CFO, the VP of marketing, the VP of sales, the president of the team. Sometimes what owners do, and in my case, this is what happened. Everybody reported to me, and then I reported directly to the owner. But in reality, that's not how it worked. If you actually pay attention to the chain of command, in theory, when the owner had a question or wanted something, he would call me. I would then call who was ever necessary to answer the question. And then I would report back to the owner. The owner would say, what do I want? What do I not want? And I would then make it happen. But the owner, my owner, as well as every other owner I've ever met, looks at the chain of command, looks at the org chart and says, 
you know what? I feel like calling the clubhouse guy today. I feel like calling an agent today. I feel like calling a player today. I feel like calling the double A hitting coach and saying, what the hell's going on with the guy we just gave 5 million to. So when you're one of those people and you get a call from the owner, what do you think you do? It's like in your company. If you report to someone who reports to someone who reports to the owner and the owner calls you, what do you do? You take the call and you do immediately what that owner tells you to do. If you're a good employee, you go to your immediate supervisor and you say, just communicating, I got a call from the owner. I was asked to do X, Y, and Z. I'm starting to do it, FYI. And then that supervisor will tell his supervisor and that's called communication. Very often in baseball teams, that communication breaks down. Very often in other businesses, that communication breaks down. And the reason it breaks down is that when the owner calls someone, they get so freaked out, they just do it, whatever the owner wants, except the owner doesn't have all the information. The owner doesn't realize what's going on on the ground floor. The owner is at 20,000 feet and just comes down to make a point or make a statement or make a trade or make a decision on a marketing slogan, not realizing all the other work that's going on that's all related to everything else that's going on to make a cohesive, good company. So the owner does what he wants. The president basically is a meat shield for the owner and then tries to run the company below him, her, or them in the best possible way, given that there's an owner around. You've got your vice presidents who are doing their own thing and basically fighting for their own areas. One of my great pleasures as being president of a team was basically being a referee where I would have marketing people and sales people or marketing people and baseball people, marketing people and finance people. We need a bigger budget. No one knows about our games. Give us another million dollars. Let's take an ad out in the Herald for 50 grand. Great. It's not in the budget. I'm going to go to the owner. All of these different things happen. So there are teams where it's an individual owner. There are teams when you think there's co-owners. And then there's actually teams that are owned by a public company. Because I'm sure you're wondering about the Atlanta Braves. How does that function? Is there a chairman of the board of Liberty Media? Does the chairman of the board call up? I don't know. Does he call up Freddie Gonzalez? Brian Snicker? Does he call up Freddie Freeman and say, here's my final offer before you go to LA? No. When you are owned by a public company, that board of the public company hires somebody who is the final arbiter who pretends and acts like they are the owner. In the Packers case, I think it was a guy named Mark Murphy. In the Braves case, it's a guy named Terry McGurk. Terry McGurk is actually the one who is the control person, according to Major League Baseball, because you cannot have a control person that's a group of people, that's a board of directors. It has to be someone who has the full power to sign all of the documents, to vote all of the votes, and to be the one who is looked at as the owner of the team. Now. That Terry McGurk serves at the pleasure of the Board of Liberty Media is very true. Other owners who are control people do not serve at the pleasure of anybody. They may say they serve at the pleasure of their board, but they don't. They may say they serve at the pleasure of their limited partners, but they don't. Limited partners do not have the ability, even through partnership agreements 
MLB does not allow agreements where there is the ability of limited partners to make a coup against a general partner and force a general partner to sell. Now, baseball cannot control when there is a corporate owner and that they assign Terry McGurk. Just so you know, they can get rid of Terry McGurk. Baseball cannot get rid of Terry McGurk. Because as we've seen with teams and with leagues, you don't want your league ever to get rid of an owner. You saw what happened with Danny Snyder. You saw that football never actually voted to make Danny Snyder sell. You see in only very, very extenuating circumstances when something happens like a Donald Sterling, where a sale is forced, but the ideal, ideal is to never let it get to that. So that's that. All right, let's go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about someone who asked a question about Passover cakes. But no, that's not really what the question's about. It's about service time. Such a great topic. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quite in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's a mailbag episode. Today on Thursday, May 18th. Hope you are doing well. Let's get right back to it. Hi, David. Hope your Passover cakes were tasty. Yes, I make Passover cakes. It's the only thing I make. They're cakes in a box, and I love them. So this question must have come a month and a half ago or something. Can you please do a podcast? I do. Explaining how exactly it works for service time when you bring players up and send them down again. And if they play until the end of the season, but start the next one in AAA, how does that work for service time? And what about DFA? What's that? Thank you. I love the service time conversation. We can't have it enough. 
and it's come to everybody's head because you read about things like service time manipulation. Service time manipulation is what teams do to players when they want to keep the players longer and pay them less. That is the easiest way to define service time manipulation. Players view service time as gold. They want it so badly. Owners view service time as something they don't want to give unless they have to. You've seen a couple of things happen this season in the baseball world that have been interesting, and I want to point them out. There are times when we have sent players down to the minor leagues. A player goes to the minor leagues. When you're on the minor league team, you are not getting major league service time. So if you've been in the league for two years and you need three years before you can be arbitration eligible, if you're in the minor leagues, you can't get your third year. Sometimes when players are sent down, they report to their minor league team, they raise their hand and they say, you know, my elbow's been hurting. And you say, you never came into the training room. And he says, well, I did, but I didn't make a big deal and I was fine. But now it really, really hurts. And then the team says, good luck. You're on the minor league injured list, which means you don't get service time. And then the player says, but I want service time. And if I'm on the major league injured list, I get service time like I'm actually playing on the major league team. So I'd like to be on that list. And the team says, hell no. And then the player says, hey, Tony, is there any way that we can file a grievance? I would very much like to tell you that I was hurt as a big leaguer. And there's a rule. When you're hurt as a big leaguer, you cannot be optioned down until you're ready to play and healthy. You cannot option an injured player. If the player is injured after he's optioned, like in the first game back in double A, and he says, oh, I just hurt my knee, but it was hurting the whole time, we're going to win that grievance. If the player doesn't play a minor league game after he's optioned, complains of injury, it used to be we win that grievance, and now everybody's soft. So what major league teams have done several times this year is in an effort not to lose a grievance or spend the money it is to go through a grievance. When a player is sent down who ends up hurt or says he's hurt, they recall him back to the big leagues and put him on the big league injured list. That really got in my craw when players would do it, which is why we had such a strict reporting system in the training room. If you walked into the training room to mix your rosin with sunscreen, we're taking note. If you walked into the training room to get some spray or a Z-pack because you're worried about something that you may have done on the road the previous week, we're writing it down. If you've got a little ting, twing, what's the word, tinge? A little thing of pain. I can't think of the word, Coca. Twang? I can't believe I don't know this word. I've used it before. If you think that you've got a little pain and you're in that training room, we're writing a full report, documenting everything. Because what we've learned is these things do come up. So here's how service time works. You bring up Jordan Walker to start a season of the St. Louis Cardinals. He stays on your team for a full year. Every day he's on the big league roster, you get a service day. A year is after you've been on the big league team for a year. You get the full year. You're known as a one, one year. When you see people are one plus 70, that means they've been in the big leagues for a full year plus 70 other days. There is nowhere in the collective bargain agreement that talks about consecutive days. It's total days of service that count toward you being arbitration eligible and eventually a free agent. It's not consecutive. So what the players did in the last collective bargain agreement was really funny. They made a big deal 
about service time manipulation. And what they said is, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to let the Samsons of the world bring up Miguel Cabrera June 22nd to make sure he's not arbitration eligible for an extra year. We're not going to let people bring players up in May so that they get him for an extra year on the back end, but still they're super two arbitration eligible. What we're going to do is we're going to make every team put its best players on the field from day one, because if you bring up a player late and they end up winning rookie of the year or Cy Young, we're going to pretend they were called up the whole year. And the number of teams who changed their behavior because of that new rule in collective bargaining, wait for it, zero. Not one time is it discussed in the room when you're making your team or figuring out what to do with your player. Hey, let's just bring him up anyway to start the season because he's going to win rookie of the year anyway. So he's going to have a full year of service. We might as well just do it. No, you do not assume that those goals are going to be met. When Jordan Walker made the Cardinals, everyone was so excited. This is great. But guess what? Jordan Walker was sent down. And when you're sent down any time of the year, your clock stops. So for every day that Jordan Walker is in the minor leagues, it's as though a day passed at the start of the season when he was in the minor leagues. It's the same math. So if he's down in the minor leagues for one month, from April 20th to May 20th, that's the same as being called up for the first time at the end of April, as though you had spent the first month down in the minor leagues. And guess what else we carry in our briefcases? We don't just carry the payroll. We also carry the roster and the people on the roster and what their service time is. And it gets updated every day. Because we are very aware when we need to get players back to the minor leagues because they're about to attain either arbitration or free agency. It's much more common with arbitration. We are aware when we need to find 40 days of that player to go down. So guess what we do? May not be happy to hear it, but it's a fact. We wait for that player to not perform. So we have a action that we can take that will withstand a grievance and we send the player down. And that gives us the clock back that we wanted in order to manipulate his service time. It's not just the Cardinals who do it. Every team is looking at this. It is irresponsible not to look at it. Let me give you a good example of why it's irresponsible not to do it. I, I'd like you to think about the business you run, the business you work in, what you do for a living. Do you think there's anyone watching over your expenses? Do you think that you work for a business where you can just charge a first-class ticket or a $500 meal or go out with John Morant for a night and just put it through and it gets paid? There are people watching your expenses. Do you think there's people watching over what the rent is in a factory where your products and widgets are made? What the terms are of the lease? What the overall payroll is for all the human beings who work for the company? What the cost of goods sold is? How much money is being spent on marketing? All of it. Every dollar's being watched. And do you find that offensive? I've never understood why in the sports business, people view running a sports team like a business as though you are doing something that is against the law. That is so horrific that you deserve to be pilloried when everybody in every business does the same damn thing. I never got it. I was happy to be the forward-facing person, the one in public saying, yes, we're a business. I have an entire show talking about the fact that we are business. 
So of course, player service time is going to be manipulated because anyone will do anything to make the cost of the product lower and keep the profit margins either going from loss to a gain or a small gain to a larger gain. Totally normal. So the way it works in baseball is you have 40 people who can be on your roster and their names are entered into a database and they are officially property of that team. So you have 40 players. The 40 players are made up of 26 players who are on your active roster who are eligible to play that day's game. Plus any players on the 15 or 10 day injured list who are not on your 26 man roster. Plus any minor league players who are forced to be on the roster because they had been minor leaguers for the necessary number of years, five years. A player on the 60 day injured list does not count as a roster player, which is why you often see players put on the 60 day injured list because then they don't count as a roster spot. So you can have another person on your team to replace the injured player. What happens when a player is ready to come back to the active roster? Whether it's an injured player or you want to bring a minor leaguer up, let's say he's a minor leaguer already on your roster. If you bring a minor leaguer who's already on your roster to be on your major league roster, you send a player on your major league roster down to the minor leagues, assuming he's eligible to be sent down, which means he's got options left. But a player who's been optioned three different years can no longer be sent down to the minor leagues. There's a bunch of other rules of when a player can't be sent to the minor leagues. So what do you do with that player? If you have to get him off your team, it's called designating for assignment, DFA. When you DFA someone, you are saying that in the next 10 days, we're going to trade the player and that'll get him off our roster. Or we are going to waive the player, that'll get him off our roster. Or we're going to pass him through outright waivers or release waivers or whatever the different kind of waivers are. They change the names every year and someone will have a chance to claim them. And if no one claims them, then we get to send them to the minor leagues as a non-roster player. So what designating for assignment is, it's getting a player out of your 40-man roster. And that's why you see it happen. Sometimes when you're just going to get rid of a player, you'll designate him on a Monday and release him on a Tuesday. Sometimes you'll designate him on a Monday and wait the whole week to see if anyone will trade him or see if you can get anything back for him, which is how you see a bunch of trades happen when you'll read, this player designated for assignment got traded to this team. And it's often for a bag of balls or for someone not of major consequence because you're designating someone you really don't want on your team. So that's how it all works. All right, let's keep going. Hey, David, love you substitute teaching this week. You must be talking about when I did Levitard for those two weeks. Yeah, I don't know if they loved it since I haven't done the local hour since. Hey, David. Yeah, it's supposed to be today. Guess who's not on the local hour today? This guy right here. Hey, David, love you substitute teaching this week and obviously love NPDS. Thank you. Can you touch base at some point on name brands and their value of sponsoring fields? For context, I'm watching the Twins Royals tonight. And for the life of me, I can't think of a positive return on investment for Target being the main sponsor for Target Field in Minnesota. Thanks as always and appreciate your shows. I can't believe we chose this question, Coca. That's not smart of us at all. 
we're not supposed to tell people that there's absolutely no ROI for these naming rights opportunities. We're definitely not supposed to tell people that all the sponsors are not actually getting anything measurable except for the beer sponsors who actually what they get measured is the amount of beer that's sold or the soda company, how much soda is sold or the food company, how much food is sold or the fanatics, how much merchandise is sold or the parking people, how many people are sitting in parking spots. Let me ask you this. Here's our theory. And this is what we pitch to companies. Hi, my name's David Sampson, and I'd like to tell you that if you name this field target field, here's what I promise. When people are given a choice between where to shop, they're going to choose target because they're going to want to support companies who support the team they love. So all around the world, when there are twins fans and they see the twins play at target field, I assure you that you're getting extra money and extra business from people who may have gone to Walmart instead. Well, let me ask you a question, David. Can you measure that? I said, funny you should say that. I can measure that. Let me show you how. If you give me $10 million per year, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a suite. The suite that I'm going to give you retails for $375,000 a year. You're getting that for free. You're now down to 9.65625. Then we're going to give you 10 season tickets right on top of the dugout. That's another 200 grand. You've now gotten 500 grand of value. Here's what else we're going to do. You're going to get an outfield wall sign. Those go for 200 grand. You're going to get behind the plate permanent signage and the bottom of the ninth inning. That's another $400,000. Then we're going to do a giveaway and we're going to put Target right on the bobblehead. People will look at that and say, hey, I think I'll go to Target. That's another $75,000. And I'm going to keep giving you stuff. And then we're going to get to the naming piece. So while you're giving me $10 million per year, the actual price you're paying to name the building is only, let's say, $5 million. And you are getting exposure like you can't believe. Let me show you the number of impressions. Let me hire Mr. John Doe, my favorite economist, who works very closely with Dr. Rosenrosen, and they're going to tell you that the number of social media impressions you get on our Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and on MLB.com and on the local news and on SportsCenter and CBS HQ, and every time Samson talks about the twins on Nothing Personal, add it all up, that's like $20 million a year of free advertising. This is brilliant. It's like we're paying you to be the name on the building. Wait, am I talking to the wrong person? Oh, God, I don't want to be talking to the chairman of the company. No, no, no. Get me the marketing person for the company. Hey, marketing person of Target. You know you got to spend this budget money, and you know that you're going to get to come to Target Field, and I'm going to introduce the players to your children. Oh, but you can't do that. You represent a company, not yourself. Wink, wink. Do you have any idea the bonuses and benefits that marketing people get? And I'm not talking FIFA type corruption. I'm talking stuff like first pitches. I'm talking stuff like getting to meet players and getting cool swag. That's all I'm talking about. I mean, listen, how do you think Lone Depot is naming the Marlins Park? Because Lone Depot did a deal with Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball said, you know what part of the deal is? We're giving you Marlins Park throw in a couple mil their way, and it's all part of the bigger deal. I mean, what the hell is Cayesa in Miami? I don't even know what they do. 
How about City Field? Do you know why Citibank is the sponsor of City Field? Do you think that that deal is just they handed over $20 million to the Mets? Citibank does business with Mets, with owners, with sales of team, with owners' money after they sell team. You sell what you are giving to different companies and saying, in return, we're going to do business with people who do business with us. If you want us to hire your company to paint our luxury boxes, then your company has to buy season tickets. If you want to sell your sandwiches in section 111, then you need to buy a giveaway day. Always do business with people who do business with you. Ask for the business. What about Globe Life Field? Truest Park. You think there's people sitting around crunching numbers and they end up coming up with the answer, which is this deal makes a whole lot of sense? There's not one naming rights deal that's ever made sense. What about the people in the EPL with the kit? Yeah, we're going to put your name right up front. Yeah, I'm sure that Emirates Airways really finds that more people are flying Emirates because they have their name on the front of jerseys or they sponsor the World Cup. Oh my God, what a brilliant idea. I'm going to fly Emirates. Do you know when the Miami Heat Arena was called the American Airlines Arena, everybody flew American Airlines because they said this makes perfect sense? It's called being a good partner in your community. The reason the Marlins have trouble getting corporate deals is there's not a lot of corporate bodies in Miami. There's way more corporations in Minnesota. There's way more corporations in most of the other cities. And that's how deals happen from relationships. The owner of the team has a relationship with the owner of the bank or the chairman of the bank or the president of the bank or with the person on the board of Target or the owner was on the board of Walmart or in Miami's case, guess what? The owner also owns Carnival. So Carnival is a sponsor of the heat. It's relationship based. If all of these deals were done according to the dollar, let me ask you about the Super Bowl ads just quickly. When you see a Super Bowl ad, does it change your behavior? Or do you like being associated? Do you think about the Clydesdales and think I'm going to have me a Bud Light? Or are they saying if you haven't chosen which beer you're going to drink and you're just starting to drink beer, think of the Clydesdales, start with Bud Light and then that's all you have. There are reasons why there's marketing done to kids who have not made their decisions like the Cola Wars. Believe me, if you're a Pepsi person, you're drinking Pepsi. If you're a Coke person, you're drinking Coke. The Cola Wars were not meant for you. Cynthia Crawford, Cindy Crawford, Michael Jackson, Madonna, they were not meant to get you to switch from Coke to Pepsi. They were meant to get people who are just starting to drink soda to choose to start with Pepsi. It's like the Marlboro Man. If you're going to smoke, smoke our stuff. I get all that. I get the investment. It makes perfect sense to me. That said, it is not a dollar for dollar analysis. I can get anyone to tell me that this deal works and that this deal makes sense. And I can get anyone to tell me that it absolutely does not make sense. They can't get an ROI. That is business in a lot of different ways when it's not an actual amount that something's worth in a market like, hey, this is the cost of a share of stock or the cost of an ounce of gold or the counts of a Bitcoin where there is absolutely no discussion. This is what it's worth today with a buyer and a seller. When it comes to marketing, you know this, it's much more cloudy. And I love working in the clouds because in the clouds, you get a chance to sell to somebody a vision. You get a chance to make someone feel good about the money that they have to spend anyway because it's in their budget. So they might as well spend it with their local team. This has been going on 
for decades, more centuries, and it will go on for centuries to come. I promise you that. So yes, thank you for asking that question. I guess I can't tell you about a positive ROI unless I work for Target, in which case I would look right at the board of Target. I'd go right to Dave St. Peter of the Twins and I'd say, here's my offer and guess what? It's just business. We'll do another one of these again, I promise. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.